Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down the movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by The Chick and the Duck. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Wild Stallions. You know the music, now see them live at Carnegie Hall. Party on with The Wild Stallions. How's yes. it going, everyone? Welcome to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is The Pestle where we like to grind apart a movie and try to see what it's made of. Um, ideally, walking away a little bit wiser about filmmaking and hopefully, if the film is worth its salt, it's dealing with some interesting themes so that we can kind of pick that apart and maybe walk away a little bit more wiser about life of something or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the goal. And and heads up, there are spoilers. Uh, we are about to talk about some serious spoilers about Deadpool 2. So if you haven't seen it, which a lot of you might not have because it's still pretty recent, uh, make sure to go watch that. Pause this, go watch that, and then come back. Uh, there's nothing worse than us telling you how, how it ends uh, or important uh, features of the film before you get to see it yourself and experience it the way it's supposed to be experienced. So. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. I'm not entirely sure what they'll be if I'm going to be completely the, transparent. Wes is off the cuff. Yeah. I oh, sat man. through the movie earlier today and I tried to make some notes. They didn't add up to much. And I suspect I'm just really tired or there just wasn't much there for me to grab at. It's just I think everything is pretty plain on its face, but I'll give it a shot. I think we'll probably talk about a little bit of the cinematography, uh, satire and sincerity. There is one specific section I definitely want to touch on with that. Um, and a lot more. There's a, there's definitely more uh, to talk about in this mm-hmm. one than the first one. Yes. The absolutely. first one was just like, Hey, we're going to make a, <laughs> we're going to make this movie. And there's really, I mean, is there a theme to it? Um, the first I, one, I can't yeah, even honestly. I, know. I can't remember the first one. Oh, okay. Well, we shouldn't talk about it anyway. But <laughs> I, I feel like theme wise, this is this has got some more weight to it. So. Agreed. Awesome. I think. Uh, so a quick synopsis of the film. A foul-mouthed mutant mercenary, Wade Wilson, a.k.a. Deadpool, brings together a team of fellow mutant rogues to protect a young boy with supernatural abilities from the brutal time-traveling cyborg Cable. Directed by David Le- Leach. Leitch. Leitch. Sure. <laughs> uh, written by Rhett Reese, Paul uh, Wernick, and Ryan Reynolds. Starring Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, Josh Brolin as Cable, Morena McCarran as Vanessa, Zazie Beats as Domino, TJ Miller as Weasel, 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 Julian Dennison as Firefist. We're getting close. You all know the drill. Intercept the convoy. Watch out for cable. Hit it! There's this kid. He's in trouble. Move or die. Pump the hate brakes, Thanos. I ain't letting cable get to him. But I can't do this alone. Bring back up. We're going to form a super-duper fucking group. It's time to get back on LinkedIn. Meet Bedlam. My name's Shatterstar. Domino, I'm Lucky. Luck isn't a superpower. It's certainly not very cinematic. Yes, it is. Let's meet in the middle and say no, it isn't. Fuck it. It's showtime. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for 
Yes. <laughs> so the trailer sounds amazing. Yeah. Sound like it's just so boomy. I love it. So sitting and watching this movie with you is maybe as good as the movie itself. I agreed. <laughs> you were absolutely in stitches. <laughs> I was rolling almost a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I typically don't lose it like that. No, I've films. never seen you lose it like that. Like, I mean, when I start laughing, like really laughing, I can't stop. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a problem. Um, even, even my boss at work has seen it and it's, it's not, it's really not fun for me <laughs> at a certain point, you know, like somebody tickles you and it's fun and funny. And then all you're just oh, yeah. like, Oh God, stop. Yep. You know, um, this is kind of how it was, but this, yeah, this movie, there were, I feel like there were a couple of points where there were two or three scenes that were just fucking hilarious. And like the whole time there was something hilarious in them. And I, I couldn't stop thinking about the hilarious thing, even if it wasn't on camera. Cause I knew it was just off camera, like the baby legs scene, the entire scene, uh, <laughs> is it, I just, yeah, it's hilarious. And they do a really good job at that of teasing you and building up these expectations because yeah. in the last scene, go, talking about the baby legs and the previous scene, we saw a jugger face, uh, juggernaut, juggernaut, um, tear his body in half. Yes. <laughs> and even juggernaut himself was teased for like half the movie. Yeah. Um, whenever they land in jail and he makes that joke about, uh, yeah, well the biggest, baddest person is going to be locked up in that, uh, basement and right next to a steaming bowl of foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And he just kind of acknowledges, you know, plot devices. Pump the brakes, Thanos. Come on. It doesn't get any better than that. That's the best line in the whole movie. It's so well-timed. Because obviously this came out right on the heels of that. Um, So it just could not be timed release-wise any better. Yeah, of Infinity War. Of Infinity War. Because Josh Brolin was Thanos. Yep. Just and spell it out for everybody. <laughs> and so they have that set up and you're, they're teasing you like what could possibly be the biggest thing in a prison filled with mutants. And then obviously whenever he breaks out and you see the expression on Deadpool's face, like, Oh my God, you just unleashed juggernaut. And then you have all these things you throughout the whole movie. That's like, what does it mean? My heart is in the right place. So they kind of keep teasing these things. And so even in that smaller scene with the baby legs, we knew something's going on with the bottom half. And for me, I'd forgotten the way he regenerates. I could not remember. (laughs) And so I was just kind of raising my eyebrow, like, wait, what's happening right now? (laughs) And then (laughs) even whenever big blind owl, like puts her hand on his junk. uh, And I'm like, why is this junk out? Like, I don't understand what's happening. And then they do the reveal and I'm dead. Like, <laughs> it just knocks me down. It's, it's so well done, man. God, it's perfect. It. But that anticipation, you know, like makes it so much funnier. It adds so much more weight to those punches. Yeah. It's just a great, great use of pacing and writing. Yeah. Uh, but then they, they beat a dead horse yeah. and they keep, that's a long scene and, and they even have him get up and walk and it's like, he's taking his first steps and everyone's cheering for him and it's, <laughs> the music is dramatic and it, 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 it perfect. It, it is perfect. perfect. And yeah, to your point, like they draw that scene out so long whenever he gets on his feet <laughs> and what they're doing is they're kind of accumulating a couple of, 
ideas and concepts into one thing, right? The idea of a baby taking its first steps, but they're also kind of combining it with uh, a a paraplegic who's lost the use of his legs. That's regaining them. Mm -hmm. And so they're combining these concepts in the most absurd way (laughs) to finalize this pact between, you know, the villain uh, cable or who we're led to believe is the villain and Deadpool himself. And it's just this perfect accumulation. (laughs) to punch you in the stomach with, you know, oh, yeah. the ha-has. <laughs> God, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Another one of my favorite parts isn't even part of the actual movie. <laughs> the ending, or the, after the ending. Oh, my God. Um, so, it, when essentially, Deadpool uses the, the ability to time travel to go kill the different versions of himself, <laughs> of Ryan Reynolds, he kills Ryan Reynolds, who who wrote, uh, or when he was working on Green Lantern. Right. He kills uh, the appearance of Deadpool and Wolverine. Um, <laughs> like, uh, or, or was it Green Lantern and Wolverine? No, it was... No, he, he killed, killed uh, Deadpool, and Deadpool and some Wolverine. other Wolverine yeah. X-Men It's just, thing. They, they take anything that you could associate as... as God, that was horrible, and they kill it. They address it and kill it. They and they keep addressing it and keep killing it because they know they know that you'll get it, you know. And if you don't get it, it's still a little bit funny. But usually, most people that are going to go see Deadpool two or that's or such whatever, a good point because if you can deliver a line, even if the audience doesn't know what it means, you can still get a laugh. Oh yeah, because what's the most important thing about comedy? Are you asking me? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's that whole idea is like, if you can do the unexpected thing at just the right moment, um, it becomes this amazing, uh, reaction in humans. And it's, it's, it's incredible. There is this video that you sent me, I want to say, right. With the interview, um, I'm about to butcher this all up the interview where I don't remember who it was now. It wasn't Ryan Reynolds. It was on stage. Ethan Hawke. Oh. The video you sent me with Ethan Hawke giving this interview with Stephen Colbert. We'll put in the link. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Into the, the show notes. Day. Yeah. Yeah. And can you reiterate what he said about being on stage with Mark Rylance? Oh, yeah. Uh, so essentially he said that um, uh, he, he was he was about to do a performance um, uh, a to be, the to be or not to be famous per, uh, performance uh, on stage at the Globe Theater, and he was put between two of his idol um, his idol uh, uh, actors, uh, and he he uh, he pulled the director aside, and he said, "Are you trying to are you, are you picking on me? Are you trying to like you know play with me because I'm the American guy and you're giving me the to be or not to be speech?" And he's he's like, "Well, you can do it, right?" and Ethan said, well, yes, I can, I can do it, but you know, I'm not British. Uh, I mean, it's a room full of, of Brits and, and it's like, I'm in the globe theater and these two of my idols. And he said, okay. Um, the director said, well, who should do it? He said, uh, I, I don't know. And he said, well, why don't you do it? Oh, okay. And so basically what he said was you go out there and you stand up on the stage and you say the first line, which it was, I forgot what the first line is, but there's a line before to I'm be alone. Right to, I am alone. You say, I am alone and you pause. And if you wait long enough, people will always start laughing <laughs> always. And the moment they start laughing, 
you say to be or not to be. And they'll, and then you have their attention because all of a sudden there's that line that they know and they think they missed it because they were too busy laughing, but you've gotten through that line and now you can go through the rest of it. That's that blew me away because right? it's so in depth about the character of humans Yeah, and every level from the setup of just hold and stare them down. Yeah. Yeah. And then wait for this human reaction to pop out of them. And when it does, you add another layer on top of it of now I'm going to uh, abuse your laugh by making you miss the most, probably the most famous line in all of like theater, yeah. you know, to be or not to be. And then, like you said, they've, they've missed something and now they're, they're dialed in so much more so that they don't miss anything else. Right. It's just like incredible because if you can figure out some of these little buttons to push, whether it's, you know, laughter, um, engagement, then you can really do so much more with the audience. And Ryan Reynolds and his team clearly know how to push those buttons because as I was saying a minute ago, even if you don't understand the reference, the timing, the delivery, uh, the look, it all plays into getting a reaction out of you and keeping you that much more tuned in. Cause I know there's probably a couple of references I didn't get, but I was so in the mood they yeah. he had me laughing already that yeah. it only takes a nudge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, just the way that he is and the way that he responds to, to everyone else, you're ready for it. You're waiting, you know, <laughs> you're on bated breath. Try like, okay, I'm going to try not to laugh at this next one right. almost, <laughs> but you know, you're going to, you are, you yeah. are. And it was just impressive. Cause even from the first movie I went in, kind of anticipating I was going to hate it. I was like, oh, they're trying to be funny. They're trying to be cute. And I can be a, a hard win when it comes to that kind of content whenever I know someone's intentionally setting out to be uh, more clever than the audience or to punch too much fun at themselves and at their industry. It just feel, it usually just comes off really hokey. Well, the reason this one works, I think, is because it's, it's juxtaposed with major, massive violence. True. Like, like horrible, bloody, disturbing violence, but is hilarious at the same time. That's true. And they also do the favor of not just making the jokes at everyone else's expense. They're constantly punching at themselves. And that's what got me in the the opening sequence of the very first movie, the the very first, the first movie had me at go because they immediately started making fun of Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, there's nothing sacred here. Yeah. And they absolutely continued it in this one whenever they make these jokes about foreshadowing or uh, the fact that Cable only has two charges in his time machine. <laughs> and he's like, well, that's just lazy writing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because he's making a joke at this idea. There's always this stuff. And there's one that they don't make a joke at that I was kind of surprised, which is they built these collars that kill off your the oh, mutant ability. Yeah. And that's such an easy plot device to write in. It's like, okay, now we have a way to kill Deadpool. Mm-hmm. But they never really justify its existence and how it got built or why it exists at all or why it isn't used more. There's just a lot of odd little things that, to me as a, a moviegoer, I'm like, okay, I'll go with you though. Yeah. Um, because it, they, it serves so well and they do such a good job at making fun at these other things oh, because everything else, yeah. they could have easily have given cable. I was just a line in the script that well, he has two charges. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it was so smart not to make fun of the, the necklace because that is what would kill him in the end. Yes. It's a critical it needs to be serious. Mm-hmm. And that, that's like the one thing that needs to stay serious throughout the film. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it also helps when making fun of the, the time machine charges because then at the end of the movie, he gets to go back in, yeah. fix that. Mm-hmm. And now he's got free reign to save his wife and do all the other fun stuff, the kitschy yeah. stuff. And so you, that's a really good point. And th- there is a reason, I guess, to sometimes not pull something into the cannon fodder yeah. so that you can keep it honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, and to that point, they do such a great job of poking fun at themselves and satirizing everything that you have that incredible sequence at the end where you have Take On Me, right? The, the, oh, acoustic, the acoustic version? Cover, uh, well, it's not a cover, I guess. It's just their version because it's still Aha that's playing that. Oh, it is? Yeah, okay. I was like, the first time we watched it, I was like, who did that cover? Oh, well, that makes sense. It was yeah, them. <laughs> Uh, and what I also noticed was whenever he comes home at the beginning of the movie for their anniversary, the regular version is playing on the radio. Is it? There yeah. You go. I was there like, that's really smart. That's yep. clever. And so when they finally get to reunite playing that song again, it's so effective for one, just before we even dive into why I think that scene works so well, but that song works so well because of the nature of there's been this wall separating him and his wife the other two times that he's been in that, that situation Um, as a living guy, seeing his dead wife, he's been unable to access her. And then the, the music video of take on me, of course you have this cartoon drawing coming to life and pulling in uh, the, the artist himself um, into the, the drawing and into her world. And he's trying to pull her back into his world. And so there's this, great visual dynamic that uh, is built into the song and you're just kind of recreating it in this moment and having no serious moments throughout the entire film you're laughing nonstop, and then to not to see this guy suddenly be so serious and the acting and performance is just top notch yeah it's so good <laughs> you buy into the relationship and so that that contrast plays beautifully and really just sucks you in because you can get exhausted from laughing yeah. <laughs> and you do want breaks Yeah, and they do a good job of, you have a few other moments where there is no comedy. And I think the only two moments where the action sequences aren't comedic in nature is the two times where Deadpool is surprised. The first time is at his home. They break in and now he's on his heels. Yeah. He's not dictating the terms and therefore creating the jokes because now he's having to react. And that moment, that whole sequence is dead serious. It has to be because she dies and she dies. Right. But then the, the other time is God, my notes are so scribbled. I didn't get to get to organize when them he like dies. Right. Um, well, they, they surprise him one other time in the film. Oh, okay. And, Oh, was it when Cable was beating the crap out of him? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they break in. In the prison? Yeah. And that's him by surprise again. And yeah, he never gets an opportunity to make his jokes. Whereas you fast forward or rewind at any point in the movie, especially the opening sequence, right? He's going and killing off Yakuza members and what have you. Mm -hmm. And then you also have the attack on uh, Juggernaut's uh, bus ride. And that's all funny and fun and games. Um, and so they pick their moments about when is something not funny and it's when he doesn't get to dictate those terms. And I think that's really clever writing as well, uh, because it's more about, it's centered on not just on jokes, but on Deadpool being in control 
and you feel the vulnerability when there's that lack of humor. Mm-hmm. And that's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's hard to do. <laughs> yes. It's hard to do for the entire movie, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And so you finally get to that point again in the, uh, the take on me acoustic sequence, um, where he's talking to his wife and she's saying not yet. And it pulls you in so much because you feel the vulnerability, the lack of humor is there. And then you also see the sincerity and the stakes because you just had this ridiculously long drawn out death scene. Mm -hmm. And you're like wondering, is this really happening? I was, I was sitting in my seat watching him die. I was like, okay, he's not really going to die. Yeah. And then when he finally, the, the, the grin on his face fades away. I'm like, Oh my God, he, yeah, he died. He died. Oh, and now we're cutting to him and his wife together. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, okay. But Cable's got to save him, right? He's That's got to happen, right? I And it took me a little while to even get there because I was just so invested in the scene. Yeah. But then it happens and I'm like, why would he do that, though? I don't understand. And yeah, it's just it works so well because of the sincerity contrasting against all that humor mm-hmm. and b- buying into their relationship. Absolutely. Uh, kiss me like you miss me red. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh man. Uh, and can we just, I just want to mention uh, everyone. I w- whenever you watch this movie and you see the character that cable is and who he, who he starts as and then who he turns into, I want you to go watch infinity war. <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. Wow. That's pretty damn smart sir yeah (laughs) i won't say anything else because i don't want to give anything away but even touching on that note cable himself is a really interesting character because i went in i don't know it i haven't read any of these books and i try to avoid knowing anything because now i get to be surprised by all these amazing stories that they wrote in the comics and so i i didn't know cable was going to go through this incredible arc of transitioning into the good guy into a sidekick if you will and that completely took me by surprise and it made it such a great because we've talked about this in a past episode of the idea if you could go back and kill hitler. you know hitler as a baby would you do it in order to prevent you know the atrocities of world war 2 and here is exactly and they literally touch on that that question um which is still <laughs> really good writing yeah um and that's that's the thing that cable's wrestling with and he's and Ryan Reynolds wrote in, well, I'm assuming he wrote it, but the writing team wrote in this joke early on in the script about Martha, which is a callback to another uh, franchise mm-hmm. where these two bad, uh, good guys find harmony over a <laughs> mutual mother's name. And here, that actually happens with them in a much better grounded version, which is Ryan Reynolds lost his wife and his potential family because they were right at the point of wanting to start a family. And now he's Deadpool looking at did. Cable. Uh, yeah, Deadpool. Yeah. No, I, I was like, I <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah, need to be specific on that regard. Yes. And because Cable is doing, is experiencing the same exact thing, but he has the opportunity to save them. And now Deadpool is looking at them at Cable and saying, I get it. Yeah. I'm going to help, and I'm also going to try to do what I can to 
be a good father figure because that was his challenge from the beginning of this movie was can he be a family member can he be a good dad and that was his question that he had whenever they were talking about starting a family is can i even be a good dad i don't know but then he gets the opportunity to find out and he fails he fails miserably whenever he has this kid under his wing and he's just so self-consumed with his loss that he really just tosses his kid to the wolves. And then as the film progresses, he finally gets that moment of clarity of like, Oh God, I ruined it. I ruined this kid. And now he's not only going to die for it, but he went on to kill countless lives Mm -hmm. because of my selfishness. And so he's looking to right his wrongs and he eventually overcomes that big obstacle of being a good father. Yeah. You know, it's arguable that, that cable was ever a bad guy. Uh, Absolutely. You know, and that's kind of what I was saying uh-huh. earlier. And it's, it's, um, they become part of a team. And so he seemingly becomes the good guy, but he kind of always was. I mean, you know, if you, the, you mentioned that they, they referenced the whole, would you go back and kill baby Hitler? Well, the, and then they kind of address the answer to that in, in what cable, how cable reacts to not killing this kid, right? He decided, that it was in this in this instance, I guess, that it was changeable. Like it wasn't inevitable that this kid would turn into the the horrible person that he eventually turns into. That that could be changed by nurture instead of just being nature. Now, I do. I always think that that's the case. No, I think that some people are just you know prone to that prone to, you know, apathy, violence, uh, destruction. Um, and, and that's just who they are. But I also think that there is some sort of nurture. You can beat the good out of people. Definitely. I think, I mean, because if you think about it, you know, you can kill a conscience. You and I, we have a conscience. We know what we think is good and what we think is bad. But if too often we ignore that and we push it aside and we do what we know is bad anyway, eventually that conscience gets beaten down and down and down and down and down. And so now your moral compass is a lot, is a lot shallower than it was before. And so because I know that that's happened to me in my life, I definitely think that there's some form of nature to it, but, or nurture to it. But I, 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 I don't know. I I might have to go back in time. <laughs> have my take way. Out. Yeah, take it. Take out baby Hitler. I, I I don't know. I don't know. That's so good. There's this great quote from Stephen Pressfield who wrote this book called The War of Art, which is a play on the yeah. art of war. Yeah, yeah. And it was an excellent book. That. It was rec- recommended to my to me by my friend Emily. And there's a, it opens with this great quote. And so I'll preface it. Hitler wanted to be an artist. That was part of his makeup and uh, what he really loved. I think it also kind of accounts for some of the stylizing of, you know, Nazi, Nazi Germany. I mean, Hugo Boss, I want to say, decked them out in their clothes and they were very snappy dressers and they had this, you know, well designed and built uh, iconography. And I think that probably played a part into their influence in, you know, in Germany. But Considering Hitler's desire to be in art um, and failing, he was a terrible artist, um, I guess. I, I really don't know. I've never seen it. But Stephen Pressfield writes it as a part of the introduction of The War of Art, which is a book on trying to help artists 
create and figure out what's stopping me from creating. And so Stephen Pressfield says, call it overstatement, but I'll say it anyway. It was easier for Hitler to start World War II than it was for him to face a blank square of canvas. That's a wow kicking the balls, man. That's uh, why is that? Because your effect, it's easier to affect other people. Yeah, it's to, yeah, or, or to to yeah, than, than to create something, create something from, from nothing. Your own, from yeah, your it's own easier mind. to create destruction than it is sometimes to face yourself and create something out of nothing. And ultimately, uh, Firefist, right? The uh, the kid, I don't remember his. Uh, name in the film other than Firefist, which got mocked. Julian Dennison. Well, that's his actual name, but oh, okay. he, I don't remember like oh yeah Norman or something like that. Yeah, but he was clearly like wrestling with loneliness and isolation, and he just wanted revenge against the world for rejecting him. And I think that's kind of the the comparison I'm drawing is why wouldn't you? It's easier. It's just a little easier to take revenge and to take vengeance and to destroy things than it is, you know, to heal and to forgive and to reach out and help other people that are like you. Because what if that had been his perspective, right? Firefist, instead of going and destroying other things, he said, you know what, this is just a screwed up world. And instead of blindly taking things apart, what if I find other people that are having the same pains as me? And just helping them. And instead, what he did was found the biggest asshole he could. And I have no idea what Juggernaut's motivation in the world is, but he seemed to take orders pretty well from a kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the kid helped him, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Loyal, you know, loyalty. But I, I love the design of Juggernaut, by the way. Yeah. God, he's so, he's so brutal. God, <laughs> he's oh, just brutal. Anyway. So there's this shot at the end yeah. um, that, I, that I thought was interesting, and I feel like everyone anticipated it, which was they're all standing in front of that, I don't know, the dean, uh, whoever was running that really shitty school mm. that was just abusing kids. And he's yelling at everybody how they're sinners and they're worthless, yada, yada. And the whole team and fire fist is wanting to still, you know, kill them. And Deadpool is like, no, 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 no. Like let karma get them. And then the car comes out of, you know, screen, right. Mm -hmm. And just levels them. Yeah. And obviously Deadpool makes his joke, man, I've heard you for the last 30 seconds. I was waiting for you to get here. (laughs) (laughs) And, but it's set up cinema, uh, cinematically as this really wide shot where you see the team members, the family, so to speak, the F word, all fanned out in the foreground. And then you see the dean, you know, in the in the midground or not quite the background, but and he's just isolated in this big wide shot. And you're like, there's too much empty space here and it's locked down. The camera isn't moving. And so you're just pause on pause waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Uh, you don't know what it's going to be, but you you know it's coming and it's all because of you just came out of this action sequence where there's all this movement and uh there's cutting and now we're suddenly really really wide and just hanging out yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it creates this like well what are we doing something and you just kind of get anxious for something's got to happen now and of course they serve it up on a silver platter yeah i was think i remember thinking watching that scene did did somebody throw something in the air is something going to come out of the air <laughs> And, right. and land on him. Yeah. Uh, and so when the taxi comes out of nowhere, I was like, oh, shit, it's him. He just killed him. He got dude. his kill. He got his kill. Good for him. I love the... Uh, also, I really like the 
the musical reference, he's making fun of Frozen, right? Do you want to build a snowman? And he's comparing it to, I, I haven't seen the film, Papa, Can You Hear Me, though? And that's, a, that's an extra little layer of fun because Papa, Can You Hear Me is kind of calling back to him as a dad and trying to hear Fire Fist and help him and be a good father figure. And then you also have the tie-in with Frozen, which is about a girl who is outcast because of her ice powers. And of course, it's inverted here. You have a boy with fire powers. And it's just a beautiful, lightly interwoven concept that's helped re-ground and reaffirm all the themes that are happening in the movie, um, along with you know the plot devices. Yeah. And, but it's super subtle. It's just told in the form of a joke. Yeah. But that's, I think that's just smart writing is whenever you can layer in all these additional things that you're leaving these imprints on the, uh, the psyche of the audience and you're just subtly pushing onto them all these yeah. ideas. Or not so subtly in this case. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of not so subtle. That's true. <laughs> like, like there's very tip of your tongue kind of things yeah. going on here. Um. Oh, okay. The last thing I'll reference and I'll basically be done is I love the whole X-Force thing. For one, oh it's my the God, way it starts. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's so good. The The setup is great too, where they're on the plane and he's like, and we'll, we'll call ourselves, you know, something that's uh, n- neutral and uh, forward moving, progressive, X-Force and then Domino <laughs> makes his comments like, isn't that a little derivative? <laughs> and what's great is the follow-up is for Deadpool to say, shut up, Peter, <laughs> which is, you know, the, the, yeah, the white guy <laughs> who has no power, <laughs> no place, no place being there, no place here. And it's just a direct contradiction to everything he just said is I'm going to ignore the black woman who's very powerful and I didn't hear her at all. And I'm attributing what she said to a white powerless guy. Yeah. (laughs) And then I was just in stitches every time after that. Uh, and that's not what got me going, but just the silliness of it. Cause we do it as I think people today, like just if there's something that's happening, you just kind of keep referencing it in shorthand. And whenever he lands in the bus <laughs> and she looks at him and she says, you're doing great. X force. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep throwing it out there. Oh, so good. Dying. Absolutely. Brilliant. I mean, and how brilliant a writing is it to, to create, they, they spend a good 15 minutes creating this force yeah. and then a good four or five minutes killing them all off <laughs> just to kill them off. I mean, the whole thing, think about it. The whole thing was set up to be funny to, in, in the, in the assembly of them with Peter. <laughs> let's just start with Peter. Like no, no, no skills at all. Just, nope. Just saw the ad. You're in. <laughs> um, uh, everyone from him to the invisible guy who he thinks is there, but for right. no idea. Um, and it, all of that is hilarious. It's almost like an interview. And then the way they die off is hilarious too. The whole thing was set up to just be funny. There was no purpose for it other than we're going to be fucking ridiculous. It's going to be 
outrageous. Yes. But I would say it I also... Mean, it, it introduces Domino, so... It introduces her for sure, but it also kind of underscores his inability to be a part of a family because that's what he ends up mm-hmm. calling that team is his family. Oh, good point. And he's supposed to be the the leader, right? The father figure, the le- uh, the figurehead of the, of the whole thing. And he's not listening to his team. The, the team is saying there's... There's a wind like force in play oh, yeah, here, yeah. and he just ignores it all, and in the process, kills out, kills off his stellar team. Yeah, <laughs> the wood chipper. Oh god, so <laughs> bad. Just, and then he vomits, you know, his spit oh, over on uh, Peter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Perfect. Um, yeah. You got anything else? <laughs> uh, no. I would. What would you give this film? Ooh, for me, I would. I would say it's an eight. I would love to give it a higher personally, but I can give it an eight, which is still to me really high for yeah a comic book movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would give it a nine. Nice. It's, it's just so good. It hits all the right I spots. Could, I could probably watch it 10 more times and laugh just as hard, at least for the next three times. Uh, and I, I love all the call outs uh, that they have. The writing is brilliant. The acting is fantastic when it's, when it needs to be. Um, Cause it doesn't always need to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, in the way they set it up, but uh, when it needs to be, it really, really is. Because you just, I mean, you you kind of just love Ryan Reynolds, yeah. even though he's done some really crappy movies. Still, you love him him in those crappy movies. Yeah, you know this though really helped redeem him because you. For me, I stopped looking forward to his movies, and I'm like, yeah, you're you're going to play another superhero yeah. um, after that last dismal failure. Um, and for him to step in and just crush it. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is, it's, it's very much him. Yeah. You know, how he typically, I, I mean, I don't know him. He doesn't call me at home. <laughs> I don't have a dorsal fin, but it's, but it seems like it would be him. In every interview you see of him, he's very quick witted. Mm-hmm. He's, he's funny. And so, like, of course, he fits perfectly into, into this. So, yeah, I give it a nine. Awesome. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. For this week, I am going to recommend Sicario. Uh, uh, yeah. Little Josh Brolin action. He, I think he's great. It's uh, Denny Villeneuve. I can never pronounce his name. A writer-director that I think is fan-freaking-tastic. And at some point, we will absolutely cover at least one of his films. But for now, if you haven't seen Sicario, do yourself a favor and go check that mofo out. Awesome. What are you going to do? Uh, True Detective Season 1. Ooh. Some of the best acting I've ever seen ever uh great storyline keeps you on your toes it, you're you're even you're sca- you're kind of scared the whole time it's the way it's shot is very you know horror movie-esque almost uh you never know what's going to be around the corner it keeps you guessing and uh it's just a really really great probably one of my my favorite series of all time maybe agreed you know? yeah that's yeah. a that's an excellent series um, especially as far as miniseries go mm-hmm. awesome so stay tuned for next week we have a request from my buddy's show who asked us to cover the departed and so yeah we'll be doing martin scorsese's the departed next week uh don't forget to subscribe and drop us a review on itunes and if at that point you'd also like to say hey do xyz movie i don't think that's an actual movie title but if it is and that's what you want we'll probably do it it might be on abc mouse (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe. Maybe. I'll ask I'll ask my five year old tomorrow if that's a movie. He would know. That's he a loves good movies. Point. If you want to drop us a note on this specific episode, you can go to the pestlepodcast.com slash Deadpool two, and that's the number two. And and if for no other reason, go to watch this interview with with Ethan Hawke uh, mm-hmm. that we're going to post in the show notes. Uh, it's it's very effective and almost transcendent at some point. Yeah. All right. So uh, you want to read the quote since you dug it up? Yeah. So <laughs> I had zero prep coming into the show if it hasn't shown, and so I was just furiously trying to get all the notes created. And I didn't have a good quote to go with. If I had been thinking, I would have used that Stephen Pressfield that I came up mid-show with because of our conversation and made me think of it. But I was like, eh, I like the story of how I got this quote (laughs) just as much. And so before the show, I was like, crap, I need a quote. I just Googled amazing quote. And I was like, the first one that shows up is what I'm taking. And here it is from this quote comes to you from Jake Owen. (laughs) (laughs) Infamous Jake Owen. Infamous. I have no idea. Who is this guy? But props. He's my neighbor. Number one. (laughs) My neighbor, Jake Owen. (laughs) And Jake Owen says, I was given such a great gift. It's a miracle that never stops amazing me and reminding me to give thanks every day. Having a wife and daughter gives me a lot more purpose. I was much more selfish before, but now I think about what kind of role model I'll be. I just want to be a better man. That is weirdly appropriate. <laughs> I didn't read it before I read it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You just copy and paste yeah. it and read it? I love that. Um, um, I lo- <laughs> this is like, you know what this is? Why this is appropriate? Not, in, not having anything to do with, with like the content or anything like that. It's appropriate because I'm going to relate it to Peter from X-Force. <laughs> because Peter had no place... Being in X-Force had no powers or anything. Nobody knows who the fuck Jake Owen is. <laughs> and yet he's a quote on our show. That's so true. He's part of our X-Force. We're going to throw you in a wood chipper, Jake Owen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's an interesting idea, too, that having a family can suddenly make you a better person towards other people. Yeah, yeah. You know, suddenly... Deadpool having taken responsibility uh, for this kid became just a better person all around. He was sacrificing himself for this kid and ostensibly for his team. He just suddenly started valuing everyone around him a little bit more or maybe a lot more. Yeah. I mean, I will say yes, being a parent and, 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 uh, or being a father and a husband, I think has made me a better man, but more than that, even it's made me realize when I'm not, Wow, which is, Quite often, you know, uh, my son drives me crazy trying to put him to sleep or he doesn't eat dinner or whatever, like, you know, or he picks on his sister and it drives me nuts and, you know, sometimes he'll lose it. And that's like the worst feeling ever, you know, when you know that you were less than what you should have been for them. It's like, uh, you know, it makes me want to try to be obviously, you know, and I have apologized to my son you know, at night when we lay down, I'm like, buddy, I'm sorry. I lost my temper or whatever. I'm not, you know, above that. So yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with this in a roundabout way. It just, it's in a, in the other aspect of it, you know, that's really cool. Yeah. Wow. I'm not proud of it. 
Honestly, I wish I was. I wish I was more like my dad. My dad's like super patient, like probably the most patient person I've ever met in my life, and I'm just not patient. I think because I do a lot of things. My dad does a lot of things, but he does them in a calm way. <laughs> Me, I'm like, I got 10 things to do and I got to do them right now. All of them right now. Um, but he gets more done than I, it's, it's almost like a tortoise in the hair kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Slow and steady wins the race. He'll, he'll do things like, you know, like their, their, uh, house just got flooded in the, in the, um, Oh, right. The Houston hurricane. Storm, yeah. Her, yeah. And I mean, he's, he's almost 70 and he's, so his back hurts him and everything. So going through the whole process was a nightmare for them. Um, and then they got back in their house and everything. And I mean, maybe a few days after, I mean, they're exhausted. My mom comes into the kitchen and finds him down on his hands and knees, cleaning the grout, like with a, with a toothbrush. Like, what are you doing? You know, get up, relax, sit, you know, like, like. I don't know. Go to a movie. Do do don't yeah. like let that go for a little bit. But he's always doing stuff. But he's just so patient and calm and slow with with it. But it all gets done. And I I just wish I was more like that. But I'm and I could probably put up with my son a little bit better if I was. So yeah, there's your call out, Pop. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, that was way too much conversation to have about the Jake Owen quote. God. Anyway, all right, everybody. Uh, again, one more one more notice. Make sure to go and subscribe uh, and review us on on iTunes. It really makes a whole whole hell of a difference um, to to hear from you guys. So please go do that and join us next week again when we're going to do the Departed. Make sure to watch that and you know block off two and a half hours because it's a long movie. Uh, it's a really really good one. Uh, and join us next week. Until then, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies. Oh,